You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode number nine. If you've been around the blogging world for any length of time, you've probably heard of a media kit. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about what a media kit is, what you should have on it, and tips from a designer on how you can create one. You love the time you get to spend creating content on your blog and connecting with your audience. But building a brand and working on your website, that's where it can feel overwhelming. With all of the lists out there of everything that you should do, sometimes you just feel like giving up. But friends, there's a better way. When you spend time strategically thinking about your blog, you'll discover what is essential to build a successful and sustainable business and what's not. I'm your host, Madison Weatherill, a WordPress web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers. I'm here to help you think strategically about the brand you're building, connect with your ideal audience, and ultimately convert them into raving fans, the ones who actually make your recipes, interact with you, and make this whole food blogging journey worth it. It's time to design a business you love and remember why you started a blog in the first place. Welcome back to another episode of the Vine Podcast. I'm so excited that you guys are tuning in today, and I'm really excited to jump into this new topic. Well, this week in Phoenix, we skipped past all of fall, and we have jumped right into what feels like winter. But it makes me really excited for the holidays coming up, and even with that, I know that a lot of work is on everyone's plates to be able to take off some time and rest and recover at the end of the year. I always seem to end up saying this every year, but I just can't believe how fast this last year has gone by. This last year has been a huge year for my business, especially with shifting into doing web design full-time, but somehow I have even bigger plans for next year, and I cannot wait to share those plans with you guys when the time is right. So speaking of web design, I wanted to mention that I am currently booking for early 2020 at the time of this recording. So if you're looking to redesign your food blog in 2020, I would love to chat with you. You can check the link in the show notes for information about my web design services. With that being said, I am so excited to be jumping into another new series on design. I'm really excited to be giving you specific tips on designing graphics for your blog. Things like media kits and Pinterest templates and freebies. So today we're going to jump in and start talking about how to design a media kit. So first things first, what is a media kit? It is a one to three page document, usually, that connects your blog to a brand. A media kit answers a handful of things to a brand that you're looking to work with. It answers who, what, why, and how about your blog. So who you are and who your audience is, what your blog is about, why they should work with you, and how they can work with you. So why do you need a media kit? A media kit is essentially a resume for your blog. So when you start thinking about working with brands, or if you know that you want to work with brands at some point, it's really important to have a media kit. This gives a brand a snapshot look at your brand and helps them decide whether or not your brand is in alignment with theirs. So when should you get started and create a media kit? Well, recently I designed a website for a brand new food blog. She was just getting started. This was actually her second food blog, but she knew with this new one that she was going to want to work with brands as soon as possible. So even with having literally zero stats, zero audience, we went ahead and created a media kit for her so that she can use that later on to start pursuing partnerships with brands. So if it's a part of your plan for your food blog to work with brands, then I would go ahead and make a media kit as soon as possible. This media kit can change and grow as your food blog grows, but having something to start will make it much easier to respond to brands if and when they start reaching out to you to work together. Once you have your media kit, you can add to your contact page that someone can inquire in order to receive it. You don't have to have a link to the actual media kit anywhere on your site. You can just have it be something that people inquire to get. I find this is a lot easier so that you're not constantly having to update the one that is on your blog, and you can just update it whenever you get a request for it. So what needs to be on a media kit? 
The first thing is going to be your logo. You're going to want to have that at the top of the media kit or somewhere pretty prominent because honestly, if a brand is working on a campaign, they're likely going to have multiple media kits that they're referencing. So you want to make sure that they know whose media kit they're looking at right away. Another thing I love to have is a photo of you. This should be the main photo that you use across your social media platforms or that you have on your sidebar because it's going to help a brand recognize you or maybe remember that they've seen your work somewhere else already. Then you want to have information about your blog. So that starts with you. You want to talk about the unique parts about you and your life. So it may be things like the details of how many kids you have or how young your kids are, how old your kids are. Uh, Maybe it is specific lifestyle details about you that might be part of your story that you would weave into a campaign with a brand. You want to talk about things that would fit into their messaging. So I think it's really important to tailor a media kit to a specific brand when you're pitching. So if you know that there's something specific about your story that aligns well with their brand messaging, then it's really important to include that in this little bio section of you and your blog. If there are other parts of your unique messaging that fit into the sponsored content, things like how you learn to cook or the type of diet that you guys follow, maybe the type of diet that your audience follows, it's important to include that as well. Then you want to talk about who your audience is. So this doesn't necessarily have to be the demographics of your audience, but more of a general statement of who your audience is. Maybe your audience is filled with young moms looking for easy dinner recipes, or maybe your audience is a more established audience and is looking for techniques and tips for home cooking. And finally, you want to talk about what makes your blog unique. Again, remember that someone who is working on a sponsored campaign and putting together bloggers for that campaign may be reviewing multiple media kits. So you really want your brand and your blog to shine through through this media kit. You want them to see what makes your brand unique and why they would want to work with you. The next section is going to be your popular posts. So this gives a brand a snapshot of your best content. So when you have images of different blog posts that you want to showcase, you really want them to be your top content, your best content. It doesn't necessarily have to be your most popular in terms of page views, but really the content that you want to shine. And if you were creating a blog post for this brand, that you would try to align that blog post to the success of these other ones. You want to make sure that this is the type of work that you want brands to know you for. So for example, let's say that you never want to make another muffin recipe again don't put a muffin recipe on your media kit. If you don't do easy dinner recipes anymore, don't put that on there. If you don't do cocktail recipes, don't put that on there. I think you get the point. You really want this section to highlight not only your best content that you have, but what the content could look like if a brand decided to work with you. Another section that you can add is reader testimonials. Now, this doesn't have to be something you include and doesn't have to be something that you seek out, but if you have comments that you've gotten on your blog or even on your Instagram posts of someone saying how much they love your recipe and how it changed their life in some way, it would be really powerful to put those testimonials and comments on your media kit so that a brand can see the effect that you're really having on your readers. The next section is going to be stats and analytics. So you can start with social media stats. And there's a few things that I want you to remember here. You only want to put the profiles that you're most active on. I think food bloggers and bloggers in general have a tendency to sign up for the latest thing because who knows if it's going to take off or not. We all remember things like Periscope or even Snapchat had its day. But if you're not active on a profile, don't put it on there because a brand is going to go to that profile and see that you're not active and you don't have an active community. And that's not something that they're going to want in their sponsored campaign. 
So you really want to showcase the best social media networks that you have that have either the top numbers or the top engagement that you would also want to include in a sponsored campaign. So even if, let's say, you have a lot of followers on Twitter, but you're not going to do Twitter as part of a sponsored campaign, then don't include that. It's not worth it. So if you're working on updating an old media kit, let's say that you've already had one in the past, go ahead and remove any social media accounts that aren't around anymore or you don't have an engaged following on. So for example, if you have your Google Plus numbers, since that is no longer around, just remove that completely. You don't need to showcase that at all. So for analytics, you want to include an average of the last 12 months so that you can consider traffic spikes. This can kind of depend blog to blog. Some people like to do just a 30-day number, but I find that with food bloggers specifically, traffic can fluctuate so much from month to month and season to season that it's really helpful to give a realistic picture of what traffic looks like. And the only time that this might be different is if you are specifically working on pitching stuff for quarter four or quarter one, if that's your high traffic season. If it is a high traffic season and you really want to showcase the possibility for that brand, then I think it's okay to put maybe last year's stats from quarter four or something like that. But otherwise, if it's any other time of the year or if it's just kind of general pitching, then I would include an average. And you can list that it's an average too so that, you know, there's no confusion from the brand of where these numbers are coming from. You want to make sure that you're using Google Analytics stats. If you don't have Google Analytics on your site already, you definitely want to change that as soon as possible. But go ahead and use the Google Analytics stats because those are what are the standard. You can include your page views, so your average page views for a month. You can include the users or the sessions, either one, but just list out which one you're showing. You can also showcase how many email subscribers you have. And if your first thought is, oh, well, I only have X amount of email subscribers, that's okay. Email really is an up and coming thing for the blogging niche specifically. And brands know this. So if you are working on building your email list, if you're working on getting them to be an engaged email list, then include that number. Even if it's what feels like a low number to you, it may mean more to the brand than you can realize. So I want to touch on really quick What if your stats don't feel very worthy of sharing? That is totally a normal feeling to have, and I think we all wonder what quote-unquote good stats look like, but just share your best stats. You can't change what your stats are, and if a brand comes back to you and asks for them, you're going to share them with them if you want to work with them. So don't feel embarrassed by it or feel any lack of confidence about them, just share the ones that are the best and you feel the proudest of. And then if a brand is looking for something specific that you didn't include, they're going to ask for it. And I want to mention too that not all brands are looking for huge influencers. A lot of them are really turning towards looking for engaged followings, not big numbers. So if you have an engaged following, even if it's small, that's really important to showcase. They're really going to want to make sure that if they partner with you, that your content is actually going to get seen by the people that they want it to be seen by. So share what you have with confidence. This is another place that you can share some information about your audience specifically, and you can use numbers and demographics here. You can share about who your readers are, whether that's a percentage of how many are women or how many are men, what age range they fall into. It can also be things like their preferences or hobbies or other information that would help a brand to get a picture of who your audience is. And if you don't have this exactly picked out, you can refer to episode number two when I talked about finding your ideal audience and really honing in on that. And you can talk about who your ideal audience is so that brands can understand kind of a better picture of what your brand is and who you're trying to attract. 
but sharing your audience with the brand is going to help them set expectations. For example, if a brand is coming to you and they're really hoping to reach male audience members and you don't have any, then they're going to know that right away. And that's okay. Not every campaign is going to be a perfect fit for your blog. So you really just want to paint the picture of what your blog is so that a brand can know whether or not you guys can be in alignment. And that's just going to set up the campaign for success because a brand is going to have expectations that you can actually meet and it's just going to be a better partnership overall. Now the next section is sort of like a portfolio for your brand. This is a section where you can show past collaborations with other brands. But I want to make a note here to be cautious with this. Sometimes it's really helpful to show that other brands have trusted you in the past, but sometimes brands have specific guidelines for competitors and how often you can work with someone. So for example, if you worked with a sugar company in the past, they may not be able to work with you if they are also a sugar company and have competition rules. So if you include a logo, even if it had been a year or six months, they might automatically assume that they can't work with you instead of being able to track down details of when you worked with a brand in the past and then making their decision based on that. You can also share testimonials from brands that you've worked with in the past. So if you've gotten feedback from brands that you've worked with and they have loved working with you and have good things to say, this is a perfect place to include that. If you don't have that information, that's totally fine. Just something to think about for the future in future updates that you might make to your media kit. The next section is going to be talking about what kind of services you offer. Some people love doing photography, some people love doing video, it just depends. So you really want to include the different types of campaigns that you're willing to work on. Some people love doing in-person events. If you don't love doing in-person events and you wouldn't do that for a sponsor, then obviously you're not going to include that in this section. You want to keep this pretty general though, and this is not a place that you want to put pricing. I don't ever recommend putting pricing on a media kit. You really want to wait until you're able to connect with a brand and talk to them about what they're looking for before you put pricing anywhere. This is also a really good place to let a brand know what's well received by your audience. So for example, if you know that your audience loves live video, then really showcase that in this section so that a brand will know if they really want to reach your audience, this is the best way to do it. Sometimes brands are going to come in and they're already going to have a certain set of deliverables that they're looking for, but you want to showcase kind of what is the best version of a campaign for your audience. What does that look like and what's included? And then the brand can always take away things or add things based on what they're looking for and their budget, of course. So then this is probably the most important part of your media kit is your contact information. It might seem obvious that they would be able to find you or contact you, but remember that depending on what the brand is, the person that you're connecting with and emailing may have nothing to do with the campaign itself. They may just be a person who's collecting information and handing it to somebody else. So you want to make sure that your contact information is readily available on your media kit. So that's going to be your website address, your email address, and you can sometimes include social media links. I generally don't recommend this if you have different usernames for different profiles, but if your username is the same across all of the platforms, then it's okay to put an at symbol, and then your username right behind it. But you really don't want to get this section cluttered up with listing different usernames and things like that. If a brand wants to look at your profile, they should be able to do that from your website, so they'll find the information that they want to find. So let's dive into specific tips for designing your media kit. So I know that not everybody is going to work with a designer to come up with their media kit, so I really want you to feel empowered to do this yourself if this is something that you want to take on. 
Very first step is to make it consistent with your branding. So if you haven't listened to episode number seven, all about how to be consistent with your branding, definitely go back and check that episode out because it's going to be really helpful for helping you to see how you can take something like a logo and apply it to a media kit. But you want to make sure in general that you're using the same colors and same fonts as your regular brand. So maybe the fonts and colors from your blog or from your logo itself, just depending on what your design looks like. And then you want to use the same types of images that you use on your website or your Instagram. There are certain food bloggers that I know are known for certain shots or styles of images, and you want to make sure that it's consistent across your blog, your Instagram, and your media kit. You don't want to use a type of image that you never use or something that would be kind of out of character for your blog. Next tip is to make it personal. This really is a resume of sorts, but it really shouldn't feel corporate or stiff. It should feel like a snapshot of your blog, so don't be afraid to make it feel like you. This goes back to your brand messaging and your personality and how you infuse that into your blog. So if you are sarcastic on your blog or Instagram stories, it's okay to have part of that on your media kit. Obviously, you want your media kit to be professional and polished, but you don't want it to feel like it's somebody else's. You want the brand to get a good sense of what it's going to be like working with you and the voice that your blog has. So you can share insights into your personality and into your audience if they're relevant to this partnership. This is also going to set the campaign up for success because if a brand is coming to you and your brand is super laid back and casual and you're known for having picnics on your living room floor and eating pizza out of a cardboard box, but they're coming to you for a six-course Thanksgiving dinner, that's not going to be something that connects with your audience and something that feels authentic to your readers. So you really want to make sure that a brand is going to understand what they can expect and also what your readers expect. So the next tip is make it as long as it needs to be. I see a lot of people that ask questions about how long should your media kit be, and this is really one of those times where it depends is the best answer. Sometimes you need one page and sometimes you need multiple pages. I wouldn't go further than having three or four pages unless your blog is really a large blog that has a ton of testimonials and past examples of you working with brands and things like that. For the most part, I would say most bloggers don't need any more than three pages, but don't feel like you're stuck in having a certain page count if you feel like there's relevant content that needs to be shared. But also don't feel like you have to pad the media kit with extra information that's just going to cloud what a brand would want to see out of a media kit. So start with one page and add more pages as you need to. The next tip is from episode number eight, which is to design it in a program that you know how to use. So I talked about this in that episode, but don't feel like you have to use a program that you've never used before to design a media kit because you think it should be done in this program. It is 100% okay to use a program that you're comfortable with, even if you're seeing that the gurus recommend using Adobe Illustrator, for example. I absolutely love using Adobe Illustrator, but I found for the clients that I've designed media kits for in the past that it just doesn't make sense to design something in Illustrator that they can't edit themselves. So now I use Canva to create media kits for my clients and then they can edit those in the future. If you are feeling totally overwhelmed with the idea of creating a media kit for yourself, you can purchase a template. My template shop actually has different styles of media kits for every type of food blogger. So you can check that out by going to thevinepodcast.com shop and you can see the media kit templates that I have right there for you to go ahead and download and get started on your media kit. If you prefer to have something custom done, then reach out. I would love to work with you on a custom media kit for your blog to help your personality and your blog shine to brands that you're wanting to work with. As we start wrapping up, let's go over again what a media kit is. It should be like a resume for your blog. 
It should share with a brand who you are, who your audience is, and what they can expect from working with you on a sponsored collaboration. You can and should have one no matter what size your blog is, even if you're just getting started. It really shows the highlights of your blog, and you can decide to show your best stats or no stats at all. A brand will ask for what they need to know before they work with you, so if you're putting something on there that lowers your confidence and doesn't make you feel as strong about your pitch to a brand, then don't include that, and you can always add that information later. You really want to showcase why a brand would want to work with you and your blog. If it's your stats, then that's awesome. If it's your audience or that you're in a specific niche or you have a very targeted demographic of audience, then that's great. Share that. Share the information that's going to help a brand to get an idea of what it's going to be like to work with you and how they can benefit from working with your blog. So your action steps from today's episode is to decide whether you need to update an old media kit, buy a template so you can create one, or start working on designing one yourself. Whichever way you decide to go, I hope that this episode gives you an idea of what should be included in a media kit and helps take out some of the mystery of how you can design one yourself. Next week's episode, we'll be talking about Pinterest graphics, and I'll be giving you all of my tips on how you can design stunning Pinterest graphics for your blog. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.